This is Jim Brewer, and you're listening to Talking Metal! Hi, this is Ian Hale from Judas Priest, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hey, this is Vicio, you're rocking with Talking Metal! Fucking A! Everybody, what the hell's going on? This is Zach Wall from Black Label Society, and the Ozzy Osbourne Band, and we're all doing a hang, throwing back some cold ones, and we're Talking Metal. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. It's time to rock. Broadcasting worldwide from John Astronomy Silver Spacecraft. You are listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. So sit back, grab a drink, turn up the earbuds, and hit that oxygen axle road style. Because this ship has just hit hyperspace. Ladies and gentlemen, will you please welcome the greatest podcasters this side of Mars, Mark Striegel and John Astronomy. Welcome to Talking Metal. This is John Astronomy. I'm here with Mark Striegel. We are at the Sandbar in Jersey City, and we've got some good sights in our vision. I was going to say, some nice views here in more ways than one. you got the Brooklyn uh, skyline over there. I think that's the Brooklyn Heights area we're looking at over there. Manhattan right over there to our left. Jersey City, 9 o'clock over here. Yeah. The Statue of Liberty over here at, I would say, what, what's that? Three o'clock, yeah. Um, just got bitten by a bug. Uh, and the other views are uh, some of the workers here at the Sands Bar. We got Kelly. Kelly behind the bar? Kelly, yes. Kelly behind the bar. She's got like a opener in her back pocket and it's slightly ripped. And I asked her about that once and she said they came like that. Yeah, that's the style nowadays. You know, you can buy the pants with the uh, rips in them. I ask Kelly about that because guess what, Kelly? I asked you the last time I was here about that little rip in your pocket, and you said that that was not because of the little opener in there. That was the way it was designed, right? Absolutely. They came that way. All my pants have little rips for my fingers, you know, so I can uh, hang on to my pockets. But it looks so hot. That's what happens when you're staring at my ass. We love it. We love it. Okay. The cat's out of the bag there. <laughs> Sorry about that. All righty. So we are back in full force talking metal style. Talking, this is old school talking metal. Uh, talking metal toast. Uh, yeah, I am drinking a Heineken light. I already had a couple mojitos. What are you up to there? I'm drinking some Jack Daniels on the rocks because my new thing is bourbon, and that actually is a bourbon. We have a very special guest on today's podcast. And uh, you've really been working uh, overtime here, doing uh, a lot of interviews that I haven't been able to attend due to work. Uh, Night Ranger was a great interview. Congratulations on that. And Dave Ellison. Yeah, David Ellison. We did a killer interview, and we're going to feature that today on Talking Metal. He's got a great band, F5. If you guys have not heard of F5 before, you better check these guys out. We're going to link the website the MySpace page, everything in today's show notes. They've got a brand new album coming out on August 19th, 2008. Cool. I can't wait to hear this stuff because I haven't heard any of the the new record. I was a big fan of the first record. And do you want to get into some music now or you want to play something else now? I got Hammerfall here on deck. Why don't we do that? This is the Kiss Classic by Hammerfall, Detroit Rock City. Definitely check this out. It's off the Masterpieces record by Hammerfall, Detroit Rock City, a song that John once played with Paul Stanley.
was Detroit Rock City by Hammerfall. Well, let's do this. Let's get into a little David Ellefson. All spoken word and dialogue in today's podcast is copyright 2008 by Talking Metal. And check out today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com for all the links. Uh, what else? Uh, MySpace.com slash Talking Metal, TalkingMetalForums.com, Twitter.com slash Talking Metal. Email us at TalkingMetal at Yahoo.com. Check out Astronomy.net, MarkStriegel.net. And that's about it. Let's check it out, man. The Reckoning. This is The Reckoning by F5. of Talking Metal, and I'm here with the one and only David Ellefson, legendary bass player. How you doing? What's going on, John? How are you? Uh, doing great, man. Thank you very much for taking the time to stop by Talking Metal here to talk about a bunch of cool stuff. F5 has a brand new record coming out on August 19th called The Reckoning. Right. I heard a few tracks, and it sounds great. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Now, you've uh, got the same lineup, with the exception of Jimmy DeGrasso, is back with you on drums. Yes. Yeah, you know, since uh, 2002, he and I have been talking about how we can continue to work together on things. We just ended up having a very good musical relationship, you know, just really, really productive, and we play well together. And, and um, so we did a record um, called Killing Machine, which actually has my friend Peter uh, from Temple of Brutality, another thing right. I did with Stet from Wasp. And um, Peter wrote this record called Killing Machine. And so I called Jimmy in to play on it, and he is awesome. But it was signed to a European label, and it actually did fairly well. It, it sold well, but, you know, over here in the U.S., not too many people heard, heard too much about it. But um, And then shortly thereafter, he asked me to come in and start doing the Montrose gig with him because the bass player was going on to do some other stuff. So we started doing that, which was really, really cool because – 
the way I play bass with a pick and old rock and roll style. Yeah, you know, actually, that's the kind of bass I like. Yeah, you know what I mean. I just like I to play with the pick get too. on it and get aggressive with it. And I mean, I thought Montrose just sounded awesome. I know Ronnie Montrose was very thrilled. You know, very cool. and uh, you know, so that that was when we've done quite a few shows. We haven't done much with that now in the last couple of years. So since that ended, you know, Jimmy and I talk all the time. And I and I said I called him up um, last fall in uh, 2007. I said, Hey, Jimmy, you want to come down and playing the new F5 record. And, and he said, he goes, yeah, he, he said, of course I do. And, and in fact, his words were, yeah, of course, I told you you should have used me on the last the one. one. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so uh, um, so he came down a couple weeks later, and, and we went in the studio. We had most of the material written. Of course, uh, a lot of it we wrote, um, you know, when we got together with Ryan Green, who again produced this record, and we did it at his studio in Scottsdale, Arizona, um, kind of where the band's based. And we... Uh, you know, we started going through picking tunes apart. So a lot of the stuff ended up, you know, a lot of last-minute revisions, as always, in pre-production, right? right? And um, and like some of the tunes you heard, like Final Hour and some of these real musically intricate, you know, intricate things. And it was cool because then the tunes were really fresh for all of us. So when Jimmy came in, it wasn't like we'd rehearsed these tunes up with another drummer and just had Jimmy come in. Right. A lot of these tunes were really fresh compositions for all of us and gave us a chance to write and really put the stuff together in the studio and Ryan, being a drummer as well as a producer, you know, he leans on drummers hard. I mean, he wow. kicks their butt, okay. you know. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, one of the things I think Jimmy noticed is, you know, lots of times, you know, you go into playing a record and it's like, don't play so much, play less, let the vocal breathe more, you know, we need to hear the melodies more. And, and Ryan is all about that because F5's, you know, a pretty melodic band. But... Uh, he was just going, dude, play more, play more. Wow. And Jimmy's like, even more? And he goes, play more, play, play more. more. You know, so it was Which awesome. Which is amazing because you're right. Most producers, I remember somebody telling me, a producer, you're not going to do any roles. I want you to play a straight beat through the entire tune. Like, exactly. And, and, right. and this is the opposite. He's saying, play more. I want to hear more Play stuff. more. more yeah, because, you know, you know and, and to you know, certainly the listeners, you know, we spend so much time as we're growing up, you know, musically, you know, getting our skills together and working on a lot of stuff that, quite honestly, will never, ever be used. You know, right. how do we be rad and show off and shred <laughs> and do all this stuff? And then the first time you get in the studio, you realize how much you suck right. because you can't play to a click. You can't right. play in time. And, and Playing to a click is really hard. All you drummers out there, uh, if you haven't tried it, try it because if you go in the studio, a lot of times you're going to be asked to play to a click. Exactly. And, it's, and for all musicians, you know, right. and that's why I think uh, – you know, I do a lot of clinics and that and a lot of teaching and stuff in those clinic settings. And that's really the first thing, man, is, you know, get used to playing to a click. You know, more cowbell. <laughs> you know, king, right. king, king, having that cowbell clinging in your ear, you know, when you're in the studio. Or I like playing even to a drum machine, you know, when I'm practicing. Because right. just something that gives you a sense of time. So you're just always setting your internal clock. When I went up you know? to uh, Berkeley when I was 17 and went to college, the first thing that they told me was go buy either a drum machine or a metronome and start practicing with right. that click all the time. Whether you're on guitar or drums or bass or, or keys, just play to that click. And that's the first thing I did. I went out and bought a drum yep. machine. Yep, and that's, you know, Jimmy's time is impeccable. Um, you know, I, I've played with him in other settings where all of a sudden you just go, holy cow, I didn't think we sounded this bad. <laughs> wow. You know what I mean? And, and it's because Jimmy's time is perfect. And, and you'll find, too, in bands, the more you play together uh, as a band, you start to sound tight because of the experience you have together. But you can also, you know, bad habits start to right. take root. You know, and, and one of the things that happens in a band, and it's part of what makes a band sound like a band and not just four or five guys up there all, you know, marching to their own tune, so right. to speak is that you, you know, you kind of push and pull and you move and tempos kind of fluctuate and stuff and 
And, uh, and, and, you know, I think that was the first thing I noticed when, when I started playing with Jimmy years ago is, man, that guy is like a friggin' clock. I wow. mean, his, That's, me is a, a human his natural metronome. time is right. Natural on, time but. is great. Yeah. And then not to, not to mention his double bass skills and his snare playing and everything. So, you know, he, he has definitely helped make me a better bass player without a doubt. And, and it's helped me as a result of playing with people, you know, with, with Jimmy. And then of course, you know, a lot of other guys that I played with. You know, it really taught me that, that, you know, about about time and really, you know, really, you know, and especially playing speed metal and thrash metal and stuff where the natural tendency is... Is to go faster. Yeah, right. faster, faster, faster. <laughs> you know, in fact, back in the day, you know, the early 80s, that's what it was all about. Who's right. faster? Yeah, I remember that, too, when the cooler bands were the people that played the fastest. Yeah, that was yeah. the benchmark of how cool right. you are. I mean, I remember talking to Kerry King. And he goes, yeah, oh, they're faster. This band's faster. You know, and like... like uh, <laughs> Tom from Exodus, you know, the drummer. Oh, he's the fastest Tom drummer Hank, around. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Carrie <laughs> loved him because he was fast, 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 fast. You know, and that, that was just, yeah, that was your gauge of your manhood was how fast you could play. What I think is cool about this record and about the band is that, you know, you have elements of traditional metal, but you still have melodic stuff in there, which I think makes these songs really memorable. And I, I can really see them getting radio airplay. Right. And I think that's what it's about right now to, you know, really propel a band further than just having a cool album out. You know, I look back over all the stuff um, that I've done in my career and it's all had melody to it. You know, I played some, you know, some, you know, obviously with Soulfly, very heavy, um, you know, the vocals, very, very, um, you know, almost harsh sounding because they're so, you know, in your face. Right. Temple of Brutality stuff and, you know, a handful of things I've done, but they've all been melodic, you know. They're, they've all had a sense of melody to them and, and, you know, to me, music is it's rhythm and melody. That's what it, right. that's that's what differentiates it from a chainsaw or a jackhammer. Is it has melody right. and a rhythm to it? You know, even a jackhammer has rhythm, right. but there's no melody. melody and right. and so that's to me what really you know makes makes it stand out. And with that five, we noticed that when we made the first record, and I know a lot of you know a lot of the uh, hardcore metalheads and people have grown up on my music over the years. You know, the, the first record was. Uh, had had almost a, a touch of a new metal leaning to it, and it wasn't intentional. It, our, our drummer at the time was uh, um, had a kind of a, a funk influence, and so the way he heard grooves had this had this thing about you know on the on the three and the on the e and of three on the on the beat that adds this kind of funk thing. And as it turns out, that's also kind of the like guitar kind of yeah, that's where that went. So it was not our intention to do that, and it's kind of how some of the stuff ended up turning out like that. But uh, um, I think with this new record here with The Reckoning is, uh, you know, our guitar player, Steve Conley, he was really adamant about really getting this back to what we knew the band always was when we first right. started in 2003, when we first got in the room and started jamming, is that there was really this traditional metal thing about it that I think maybe got overlooked a little bit too much um, through the production of the of the last record, and we really wanted to make sure that that was out here in the forefront. Right. Well, it's definitely record. definitely out there in the tunes. Uh, the opening track, No Excuses Killer, The Reckoning, which is going to be the first single, and the title track. Like, all of you guys are doing this, like, little double bass 16th note thing in the uh, during the verse, and I think that's killer. Very well described. It's cool. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I was getting it right. I, that was I it. have my that music degree, but uh, yeah. who knows. And you know what's great is Dell's vocals, are we were talking about this a little bit uh, off air? A great melodic singer, right? When I hear metal, I like to hear that type of a vocal, right? I, I agree. I mean, I think you know there was this era from about I don't know nineteen ninety eight maybe through now, <laughs> so right. for about ten years, where uh, 
you know, a lot of, you know, what got kind of dubbed the cookie monster vocal stuff. Right. You know? And I get the aggression of it because I love, you know, the hardcore music from, you know, that especially the stuff that came out from around, the, you know, the East Coast out here. A lot of hardcore right. stuff. And that got fused in with metal and, and uh, you know, stuff that then, of course, Hatebreed kind of really championed and brought, you know, brought out to the to the mainstream. But, uh, you know, I think after a while, you know, and it's indicative like this lots of times in music business is, is there's a lot of people kind of also want to jump on the bandwagon. So they start signing things that all sound the same. Right. And I think people, because they want to be in the game, they maybe go, well, we're going to, you know, shortcut what we really want to do. And now we'll just kind of do what everyone else is doing right. so we can get a record deal. And I mean, I get all that because, you know, you're always looking for a way in and how do we, you know, how do we get in the game? But I think with F5, we've always stayed the course, you know. And one of my main things when the band came together was that um, I did not want to dictate to it that it needed to sound like anything I've done before. And that was really a big risk for me, quite honestly, because I think coming, you know, off of big successes of the past, the natural tendency is to, well, let's just go do more of the same. Right. You know, or go make an acoustic album. Right, yeah, either <laughs> the know? same or completely different. Exactly. Right? And I didn't want to do that because, you know, everything I do, I think rocks and, it, and, it, and I like it to be heavy and I'm a metalhead through and through. And, and But I thought it was cool that, you know, with a different set of faces, a different bunch of guys, we're doing something different. And, and it's nice to know that I think our second record – has stepped up remarkably more than the first record, and and it to me that just, that just goes to show that we, we're not a one trick pony. We didn't play our best card first. Right. We played the best card we had then, but now a few years later, things have gotten better. I was going to say that from what I've heard so far, and from talking to you, the original vision of the band has now emerged. Right. After the first album. Right. There are a lot of different elements that I can hear within. These songs, we were listening to Final Hour, and what I thought was cool is, although it's not an instrumental, there are parts of it that you kind of start thinking, oh, maybe this is an instrumental. It, it could have almost been an you instrumental, you forgot yeah. that you already heard the vocals, but, <laughs> yeah, right. but I think it's cool. And yeah, thank you. And also, yeah, that's the other thing, too, is not just doing straight traditional arrangements. I mean, like, The Reckoning is a pretty straightforward arrangement, and that's what makes it, you know, like very listenable. Single, like yeah, a, people that maybe aren't a big fan of really heavy music will hear that and go, oh, that's a cool tune. It's got a cool melody. I can, right. you know, walk away from this remembering that song. Uh, and then other tunes, like, you know, Final Hour and... And even I am the taker and no excuse and things like that. Uh, you know, those are those are for metalheads. You know, by metalheads right. for metalheads. Metal and 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 you know, I think those of us that play metal, you know, we like that. You know, metal music kind of takes you on a listening journey. That it doesn't just have to fit into a verse chorus verse chorus format right. all the time, and it, you can step things out and and be more progressive with it. And um, and and then again too, you know, our, our guitar players John and Steve. You know, John is uh, the youngest guy in the group, so he, you know, figured when he was growing up, um, you know, there was a whole different, you know, batch of music that he was right. listening to that influenced him, and I think that that's cool because right. if you're gonna have two guitar players, why have both of them do the same thing? Right. You yeah. know, Steve Conley, on the other hand, you know, kind of comes from he studied more like neoclassical stuff, so he's gonna have a different slant to it. So I think when the two of them come together, they really bring two totally different elements to to the guitar work on the record the guitar work is unbelievable back to the song final hour i mean there's some 
really intricate uh, electric stuff, but then there's some nylon string classical, right, like, right. almost like Spanish sounding uh, flamenco type stuff, which I think not only metalheads but musicians can really get into. Right. To have an album that can please your traditional metalheads, your what's that called, the casual metal listener who right. like the singles and stuff like that, and then the musicians, I think is really cool. You're touching like all the bases. Yeah, that's that awesome. Thing. Thank you. Yeah, and I think that's that was you know we went into it with that, and it wasn't so much that we like well we need two songs for the girls and two for the metal. Right. You know, we it's didn't just con- how it. Yeah, we just right. I think really just you know you can hear honesty in records when a band is trying to fake it or trying yeah. to do. I mean, here's a, here's an example. Kiss is a, a band that I love, but when they did Carnival of Souls. It really wasn't Kiss's style, right? And right. It, so it sounded. There were some great songs on that record, but I just don't think that that record fully exemplified what Kiss was all about. And you could tell, in my opinion. Whereas it doesn't sound like you guys are faking anything on this record. It yeah. sounds like this is the natural progression of the band. Yep. And and again, it's it's. I think there's a vibe. With, the thing I've really enjoyed with this is that we get in a room and it just feels good. Now you change a drummer. And you, you, one might think, well, okay, you change one member. How big of a deal can that be? Man, I'm telling you, it's everything. Right, one right. guy. I don't care who it is. I don't care which guy it is. You know, you change one person out, and it's, it's, it's huge. And so when we got, you know, we made the record, and then we got together a couple of months ago to do a couple of shows. We wanted to just, you know, fire one off and just we're getting excited. The record's ramping up and getting ready cool. to come out. So, thought, All right, let's so the record was already done when you guys did this, right? Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. Record was done. Yep. And, and was uh, at the, we'd already turned it into the record company. And so we thought, you know, let's get together. And, you know, some offers were coming in to do some shows. So we got together and we did it. And, you know, we were curious going, okay. And I said to everybody, I said, look, trust me, you know, my first gig with Jimmy, he walked in, you know, straight off an airplane and we were on stage wow. for 5,000 people <laughs> with no rehearsal. And he Wow, so that's amazing. I know he can do this. I can believe it, but it's almost too hard to believe. Yeah. But I believe somebody like Jimmy can pull that off. It is, you know, and there's a breed of guys that can do it because not everybody wow. can, um, especially with metal, uh, you know, because it's different than maybe pop where the songs have kind of like a basic format or something like that. Right, but to right. go in and play like a tune off of this without rehearsal is pretty out of control. Yeah, exactly. Because I know when I listen to music, I really integrate into the whole composition. And, and you know, Jimmy, I asked him one time, he said, you know, how is it that you do that? Because it's because I, I can learn tunes pretty quick, you know. But, I mean, he's... He's like a one listen kind of guy, wow. and he's up up there jamming, you know, and and uh, and he's just going, oh, it's easy. You just count bars, you know. So Jeez. that's his trick is he that's counts a, bars. But even still, that's a lot of bars to count. <laughs> what <laughs> I'm saying is, how can you remember all the little changes? And, yeah, you know, for eighteen rehearsal? songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, right. That's yeah. insane. Yeah, no, it, it's a it's a real talent, you know. I Man. mean, there's there are some guys again. A lot of you know session guys can do it, but usually those are simpler tunes too. Again, right. you know, they're kind of three minute pop tunes and kind of get in, nail them, and go. You know, right. That's unbelievable. <laughs> but I heard a couple of other tunes off this record. Love is Dead is really cool. Right. Tell me a little bit about some of the different. You tracks. know, Love is Dead is a tune that John Davis wrote and really a, uh, again, you know, a, a real kind of old school traditional metal tune. And you can tell just by the by the guitar riffing in it. Uh, rank and File, um, to me, kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, I mean, to me, it's 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 really a, th- it's a thrash tune, quite honestly, especially cool. the way that, you know, the drumming starts in the beginning. Through Hell is uh you know kind of reminds me of like an early 90s kind of up-tempo metal tune um and uh you know and then there's some things like like wake up is a very progressive tune and i notice when we play it live it's really got a lot of it just it, it just it's it, it, a lot of intricacies a lot of really cool playing and and uh different rhythmic figures to it and um you know through i mean i i think uh, my end was a tune 
that all that was really one of the first songs we wrote when we went into writing sessions for this record. Um, on the road, we had written the tune uh, "Control," "Cause for Concern." Uh, some of those songs were already starting to kind of line themselves out because because you know it's, when you're on the road, for me, I get very creative on the road because. When I'm always in the same room or rooms or driving on the same highways every day when you're home, right. to me, it gets very stagnant. And sometimes just being out on the road in a tour bus on an airplane, man, my mind is just fired up. That's cool. I'm so inspired. I always carry a little digital tape I was going to ask you, do you bring something with you? Yep, right. I do that. I mean, I'll be sitting there typing the lyrics into my BlackBerry. Oh, I mean, I got a laptop with me, so I'm always always keeping little tools close by to me to... to you know, to sit and write, and and you know, I'll I'll read a lot more when I'm traveling, you know, because I got more time to kill. So I'm always reading books, and and things just inspire me in a totally different way. So I think when we were touring on the uh, on the previous record back in 2006, that really was a, the first creative burst. Came off the road, 07, finished writing the rest of this, and of course, right before I we went in the studio, did kind of a third phase of the writing. So it's interesting how the tunes developed and in my opinion all of them every phase was got much better and produced even more more compelling material i think i wanted to ask about the writing process and does everybody contribute to it yeah everybody contributes yeah it's really you know it's a i mean i think probably um me and Steve Conley probably come in with the most riffs. And I bring guitar riffs in. Like the record. Oh, cool. You know, I I was one day I was over at the rehearsal place and no one was around and and uh and I just started jamming. Might have even been on my bass, I think. I started uh-huh. playing something. And so I I opened up my cell phone, played it into my cell phone. Oh, that's great. T- I called my home number so I could record it on my <laughs> voicemail. Great. Like, remember this riff and I can dig it dig it down to get it out right and I, and I played That's it cool. and so then I went home and you know listened to it and went and, and figured it out That's on great. guitar and then I brought it in a couple days later the guy said hey you got this riff and this idea here I think coming up with riffs on bass is a cool thing you think of different things that you wouldn't think of if you were coming up with something on a guitar in my opinion totally I think it kind of opens up just like a whole nother world because they're the, they're the kind of riffs I think a guitar player would think of Right, but uh, I think you get some cool ideas when you're playing a bass. Well, I think when you write on guitar, which I do a lot of, quite honestly, you're usually creating more riffs and melodic ideas. The bass then kind of has to be a supporting role to right. that. When you write on bass, you are generally being more progressive because right. you're not just going do 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 right. right? I mean, and the bass yeah. becomes almost like a lead instrument. Exactly, becomes the melody instrument. Right. So you end up doing that, and um, in fact. Uh, you know, as we were talking earlier, we got this rock and roll fantasy camp thing coming up here, which is and, great. And, and uh, at one of those camp dates, we were playing like a Stones tune, and I never really played many Stones tunes growing up. But all of a sudden, I had to learn this tune real quick, and I realized the two guitar players they were kind of just playing chords. So all of a sudden, I'm playing all the melodies wow. on my bass. That's you know, What I'm tune was it? Playing lead bass, Jumping Jack Flash. Oh, that's so great! Right, right. that's one of my favorite songs of all time. Is it? Yeah. yeah. So and 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 you know, it was it was is you know, I love being in settings like that where it's sort of like ready, set, go. You know, and and you're and you're having to learn things. And and I'm glad that I've learned how to play bass like that over the years because, you know, I grew up listening to Getty Lee and. You know, of course, Gene Simmons and whatnot, but you know, guys that were um, uh, very melodic and very um, just aggressive players. You know, right. I mean, there's even a Tubes record. What was that one that had like "Talk to You Later"? And I think Steve mm-hmm. Lukather played oh, on wow. it. It was kind of yeah. a big, you know, pop record that they had, but it came out right around the same time as members like Iron, like Number of the Beast, and you know, 
first Ozzy record or two, right? right? And and all of a sudden, I was playing with a drummer, and he had this tubes record, and the bass playing was just really aggressive. <clears throat> and uh, you know, even as a kid, I remember watching like Joe Jackson. Yeah, on Joe TV, Jackson's right? And cool. his bass player was playing to the pick and just throwing down and jamming. And I just love these guys. You know, and again, lots of times they were they were uh, drums, bass, and guitar. So the bass would have to step up and play a lot more. But since it was a power trio, even right. though it might have been a singer, it was really kind of a power trio musically. And so um, the bass would really have to step up and start playing a lot more to kind of fill it in. And I've usually played in bands where there's two guitar players. And when there's two guitar players, they kind of box the rhythm section in a little bit right right because in, especially in metal i mean the rhythm guitars that's the, the main riff of the tune pretty, yeah it's right. the kind of the cornerstone of the whole composition you know so between the rhythm guitars and the drums kind of locks you in so i think for me as a bass player in those types of metal settings i'm always looking for ways to how can i invent lines and do things that that create movement and and help the song not just sit here and kind of plod along right yeah. Now, speaking of uh, Fantasy Camp, you guys are doing a tour, and the campers, basically, you guys are going to open up for Extreme and who and else? King's X. And King's X. Yeah, right. Amazing. But... Yeah, it's a tour that's starting uh, July 31st up in Boston. It's going to go across the country, across the U.S., through the whole month of uh, August. And there's nine counselors is what we're called, right? Right. And as any good camp counselor, you try to help your campers have a, have a good right. time. So people sign up. And they get to choose, uh, I think in most cases, which band they want to be in. Oh, if they cool. want to be in my band or Kip Winger's band. or uh, Mark Slaughter. Yeah, Mark Slaughter, uh, Gilby Clark, Chris Glenn Slade. Hughes. Oh, Chris Slade. Yeah. Very, very cool. In fact, he's the only drummer that's on it. So, oh, cool. Uh, and, 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 uh, and so basically what they do is, is during the day we, we meet our band and we, you know, we have like a roster of songs put up on the website once they sign up that, that we recommend they learn. Oh, okay. But I'm realizing, you know, there's a whole, so many like again the Stones tune or a Beatles tune or right. there's all kinds of tunes out there that I've heard for years but have never played. I mean I never right. grew up playing any of that stuff. Um, and sometimes it's wild when you actually try to sit down and learn one of those and tunes. learn them. Yeah, yeah. you're like right. oh, I didn't know they did that in the song. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it's uh, you know I was sitting down with my son last night because he plays Guitar Hero. So oh, cool. He's throwing ideas at me. You know <laughs> how about this one? You know and and, and he's referencing Guitar there's so Hero. So many cool songs on the Guitar, on guitar Hero. Hero. Yeah, exactly. You know, so I'm thinking, gosh, you know that is a good song. You know, I mean, you can play like a Clash tune. You know what I mean? And, right. And naturally, the way I play, and a lot of the people that sign up to be in my my bands because I've done a few of these now. You know, a lot of you know black T-shirt metalheads, right. guys that want to you know play danzig <laughs> tunes and iron maiden and scorpion songs and which is fine by me you know but but cool. lots of times again as metal guys we tend to want to get progressive and get off doing stuff and sometimes those tunes are pretty hard to work up in a day's time right if you're going to walk out on stage in front of a thousand people and play it that night last right. thing you want to do is just completely suck right so you try to which is really hard that you're meeting this band for the first time right you got to pick a song that everybody can play right and then you got to go on stage in front of a an actual concert crowd right that night i mean like the other day we were at Rocklahoma and the first day we had a fantasy camp date and so there were essentially three bands Kip Winger headed up one Mark Slaughter headed up one and I headed up the other one and in my band, uh, Alan White from Yes oh, cool. was the drummer, right? Very cool. And Alan's done a bunch of these, yeah, so he I, knows I the drill. Yeah, I remember him from Fantasy Games. Yeah, you know, a great guy. And I, you know, I'm a huge Yes fan, so to have Alan, you know, playing, playing drums, drums. And, yeah, you know, in my great. band, I was like, awesome. This is, <laughs> I like this guy, you know? Cool. And, but, you know, again, we're not playing, you know, metal, and we're not playing Yes tunes. We're, you know, right. kind of trying to suss out, okay, well, what tunes do you know? First of all, you kind of go to the singer. All right, what can you sing? Right. You know, and because you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, everybody kind of defaults to the, the singer, singer's good, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. So, and we had a girl singer, and so she started rifling off some tunes, and 
And then the guitar players are like, okay, do you know these? Well, yeah, I know. No, I don't. Yeah, I do. No, I don't. Okay, yeah, we both, you know, so we ran through, you know, a whole menu of material. And finally, you know, within about, you know, a half hour to an hour, we sussed out, you know, it's like, okay, we're going to smoke it in the boys' room, paranoid, and okay. get back by the Beatles. Right. You know, a, a nice little diverse set. You do a three-song set. Yeah, and on, the, on there we did. And I think on the tour coming up, we might only do uh, one song each, I believe. And maybe it's two songs each. Oh, cool. I mean, it goes by pretty quick. I remember sometimes people would write an original tune. We would do those on, like, the five-day camps, oh, okay. right, right, when they right. do those. On these one-day camps, probably not. I mean, unless someone walks in with a bona fide hit. Right, right. right? Yeah. <laughs> like, here's, here's the new... And it's uh, charted uh, out, yeah. and it's ready to play. Yeah, I guess we could do that, but... Uh, uh, yeah, usually, you know, it's, it's a cover tune because, look, it's, it's meant to be fun. It's meant to right. be a, an enjoyable experience. And I think sometimes the simpler you keep these things, right. the, the, the more, better it yeah, works out. Yeah, exactly. So, and again, we want to get up in front of, you know, people. And, and to be honest with you, it's, look, it's their gig. We're just right. there to kind of... Supporting. Yeah, yeah. We're like and, the sheep herders. Right. Yeah, you know, kind of rally the troops and kind of help, help everybody get it together. But it's ultimately, it's, it's, it's their moment in the sun. And it's such a, a cool thing now. Is there still spaces for people to sign up for this there are yeah people go to rockcamp.com uh all the information is there on the website as well as the tour dates and everything and you can i think you can kind of just click right through there's even a phone number to call in to sign up and come on do it yeah i mean i definitely encourage people to do it if if you've if you've got the the time and the resources to do it It, it's a it's a great it's fun i have never been an actual camper but i've worked with gibson guitars on a couple of the camps and i felt like a camper because i got to hang out i even got to play with Glenn Hughes and Paul Stanley and Bruce right. Kulick at one point. So uh, I was like an honorary camper. And yeah. uh, I just, I think it was a blast. And I still keep in touch with the uh, people. And you know what's, what's really cool is, uh, especially with the, the five-day ones, uh, but I'm sure even with the one-day ones, you know, people keep in touch with, the, they with do. each other. Yep. And what I think is great about you and the people like Mark Slaughter and, and Kip Winger is that, you guys really take the time not to just come in there and, you know, act like some cool rock star. You really get to be friends with these guys and you help them and you're really concerned about making sure that they get the most out of the fantasy. Yeah, because again, this is their deal. You right. know, they're probably they're, you know, paying a little chunk of money for it and it is time out of their lives to do it. And it's I mean, look, we get to go on stage all the time in front of right. thousands of people and, you know, we we you know, get to live the dream, and, and now it's their turn to live the dream for that day, and that's really what we're there to do. Thanks for doing this, you know, all of you guys who really will do it, because there's a lot of great musicians that we know who we love their music, but they would never take the time out to do this and probably, like, yeah, kill themselves a, before they would do this. There's a certain breed of guys yeah, that uh, <laughs> can and some that can't do it or wouldn't do it, you know, right. so it's, yeah, and, and I mean, again, you know, the you know the fantasy is all mine, too, believe me. I mean, I got Elliot Easton from the Cars, and I grew up listening to Cars oh, records wow. and love cool. Elliot's playing. So, you know, to be able to jam with him and, again, have an Alan White yeah. play drums. So, you know, now, you know, obviously we're all grown up and we're professionals and everything. But, you know, there's all inside of us, there's still that Wayne's World moment where yeah. we're not worthy. Right. You know what I mean? And because <laughs> we all, you know, on some level, we all start out fans, you know. And, right. and so, and, and I think that's kind of the, the key is to never lose that little fan inside, you know, right. because that's the giddy little part that makes you just... I think it makes you know, it enjoyable. I mean, you get enjoyment out of it, not only because you know that you're helping somebody and, you know, kind of giving them the thrill of, of jamming with you, but you also get a charge out of playing with, like, people like Alan White or Elliot. Yeah, it's just so cool. And, and, you know, we're calling some of our friends as we're going around the country, you know, so... Um, maybe they'll come down and do, yeah, like, a Yeah, have them cut, like, you know, blown through Chicago or through Dallas or down in Orlando, call up some friends who live down there and say, hey, you want to come out and, you know, maybe come in and just do a jam in the afternoon, maybe oh, even great. hop on stage that night and, and yeah. just even make it even more of an all-star lineup, you know? 
Very, very cool. Now, after you do the Fantasy Camp Tour, then F5 is going to go out and do some Yeah, dates. we've got, we're starting to get some offers for some dates here coming up this fall. So we're putting that together now that I know what you know the Camp Tour is, and that's all lined out. And, and yeah, again, the, the Reckoning, the F5 record comes out August 19th. And, um, you know, we didn't want to just come right out on top of it and do dates. So we thought, you know, the reviews are good on it. Radio seems to be responding well to it. And I think, you know, just let it really start to build and really you know, circulate and, and become become known to people before we just go right out and rush out and, and try to start touring it. But, so, yeah, some things are looking like they're coming in in the fall, so it we'll, uh, looks like we'll probably start moving that forward. Very cool. Now, what label is this? Is this Scotch? It's a, yeah, it's actually uh, a label out of Minneapolis called Orphan Distribution, and they distribute through uh, Koch. And or it's funny, Bob Pickering, who's the owner of the label, he introduced me to Dale, uh, the singer, oh, cool. back in 2002. Um, just a mutual you know, friend of a friend kind of thing. And I had a good rapport with Bob and, and Bob said, look, Dale, you know, there's a singer up here named Dale and he's in this band called numb. And he goes, I think only got something going. And, and, and he was really just a, a fan of, of Dale's. And, uh, so I did the demos and, you know, nothing, unfortunately much moved forward with their band, you know, with getting signed, the band disbanded. And that's when Dale moved down to Phoenix and, and then joined up with us as we were putting F5 together. So when I called Bob up last year, I said, look, you know, we're looking to do another record and, and um and he said he goes you know I'd I'd be into that I'd do cool. that so yeah it was nice wow. to that's great have that's someone a, what step a, up yeah you got a deal like that like yeah ex- exactly so um you know it's and it, you know I, we're all Minnesota boys you know what I mean so cool. uh, which is actually that's where I grew up wow. and Dale Dale was lived in Minneapolis but he's actually from Wisconsin so we're all a bunch of I didn't Midwest know you were from Minnesota yeah that's cool. yeah I've never been there I've got to go there but. yeah it's it's uh, you know Minneapolis is a cool town it's got a it's uh, you know I when I grew up at, right after uh, I graduated high school I went. Out to Los Angeles because right. I knew that was where I needed to be, you know, to be in the middle of the action and stuff. But uh, yeah, Minneapolis has been a, is is a cool town, creative town, a lot of you know pretty hip music stuff going on around there. So definitely, so, yep. Here we go now with the F five record. Cool. So you've got the new F five record, Rock Fantasy Camp happening, and you also played on the new Alien Black record. And we we've, we've had uh, Josh on the uh, podcast. Before. Yeah, Josh is a nut, man. He's cool. It's funny, he, you know, he. Uh, <laughs> on both records, he calls me and he's like, "Hey, man, I want you playing this record." I'm like, "Okay, well, you know, give me a date and a time, and uh, cool. you know, basically, <laughs> you know, what is it? Where is it? How much is it? Right? You know, that you know, I mean, just kind of <laughs> simple four questions, three, four questions on any anything you do. You know, give me the details." And and so finally, you know, Josh ends up in my house. We you know with wow. some tablature oh, up, yeah. on the first record. I go, "Okay, well, I guess I'm playing on your record." You know, that's great. And we sat down and we walked through it. And then a couple of days later, I'm in about a week later, I'm in the studio, and it, and it was a lot of fun because you know Josh is very diverse, very musical. And the same thing happened with this record because he played me some stuff about a year ago, and I said, "Josh, I'm just not hearing it." And it was just because it wasn't done yet. I mean, he right. was playing me some riffs, and I'm like, you know, get the stuff lined out. I got a lot of stuff going on in my world right now, a lot of music and a lot of things. And 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 um, so he he went in and he and he cut the drum tracks and um, and then he you know gave me the the, the CDs and again charted a bunch of stuff. Wow, and I don't great. really read tab quite honestly because I grew up learning how to read notes and yeah, manuscripts. I, I know right? how to read notes, but I don't know how to read tab. Yeah, I, mean, I, I can figure it out, but it's you can't put a piece of tablature in front of me and I. You know, I'm like, exactly. I've that? gotten better at it because more and more I've been in the studio with guitar players who that's how they think is in tabs. So wow. they hand me a sheet of tab and I'm like, oh, God, I got to figure this out on the spot, you know. But but uh, so um, but, you know, Josh is great because he's always like, man, he goes, I just want you to play, 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 play. He goes, I know you. I know that there's a whole nother side to how you play that the world has not heard. 
And I said, well, I appreciate that because, you know, I spent a lot of time, you know, learning a whole bunch of stuff. And, you know, I mostly play metal because it's where my heart is, you know. But, uh, you know, different fusion music I grew up playing and, you know, and, and, and blues stuff. So he goes, I just want you to go off and play, play, play. So we went cool. in the studio to do it, and it's like the more nutty and gnarly I got on it, man, he was just like hailing, you know. He's yeah. like, yeah, go, go, go. So and, A and metal I, sign up. Yeah, exactly. From the yeah. control room, like throwing right. horns, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I just heard the, the roughs of it, and Josh actually going to sing on a couple of the tracks, which I think is really cool. Great. And um, and the drummer is is very, very good, and um, who I did not meet, but I, you know, just playing to his tracks, right. and stuff feels good, and, and you know, initially it sounded kind of like corn does fusion, wow. right? Because Josh does a lot of these yeah. like baritone <laughs> tunings and these really dark things. But now as the stuff has started to line out, it's really, really cool, man. And Excellent. I think he's, yeah, I think he's looking at kind of an o, early 09 release on that. And I, th- I think, man, again, metalheads and musicians are going to really like. be digging that record. Yeah, I was psyched to see that you were playing on this second record yeah. with Josh as well. Yeah. So anyway, David, uh, you've got a, another full day of uh, interviews uh, going on today. And uh, we really appreciate you taking the time. Not only to be on Talking Metal, but to come to the official new home base of Talking Metal, what we sometimes call the Silver Spacecraft, which actually just looks like a stage. A stage of like half kiss stuff. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which, nothing wrong with that. Kiss drums and some kiss looking amps and photos of kiss. Hey, it feels rock and roll, man. You know, that's it. Very cool. So thank you again, David. Everybody's got to go out. Check out The Reckoning by F5. It's coming out August 19th. And visit F5 on MySpace, which is myspace.com slash F5theband, AZ for right, Arizona. Arizona, right. Yeah, right. And also the website is www.f5theband.com. We will link that through today's show notes. And uh, let me tell you, the band sounds great. I'm really psyched that Jimmy DeGrasso and, and you are back together again. And I really hear what you're saying about how his drumming has really made F5 realize uh, your true vision on this record. Well put. Yep, I would agree. Thank you. Cool. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, John. David. Yep. Take care, man. See ya.